0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: Well, if you recall last week, guys, where did we leave Abram, right? We left him and he was in a huge mess, right? He made a mess of everything. You go, Pastor, what did he do? Well, he heeded, first of all, his wife's voice. Now, there's nothing wrong with listening to your wife, except I don't think Sarah was walking with God at this point, right? He he heeded it, right? And you go, what do you mean? Well, what happened was, you see, he heeded his wife's voice, and he married Hagar, right? And she's trying to help God out, and so that's what he does. And if you recall the story, Sarai was about 10 years younger than Abraham, so she would have been about, oh, 76, 77 years old. God made a promise to Abram that he would be the father of many nations. Remember, God did something so amazing that you'd have to be there to experience. You go, Pastor, what did he do? Well, in the beginning of chapter 15, we learn that God is going to speak to Abraham and give him a promise of a child. In chapter 15, 1 through 6, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, you know these things were... The whole the whole war, the unprecedented victory that Abram had. And he came to Abram in a vision and said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Now, that's cool, but remember this. Abram was rich. He had a lot of stuff. He had already been rewarded. So Abram says, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing as I go childless? In the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. In other words, God. We cool, right? Listen, here's my thought. He says, "I'm not worried about rewards or wealth. You've blessed me." He says, "I have plenty, but what I am worried about is who do I leave this to when I die? Who's going to be the heir? Who's going to get my my things?" And and basically, he's saying the Bank of Damascus, if you will, Bank of. Is it to go back to the bank? Who's gonna who's gonna get this? He says, "I have no heir, and only a servant is born in my house." And Abraham said, Lord, you have given me no offspring indeed. The one born in my house is my heir. Verse 4 says, And the Lord, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but the one who will come to you from your own body will be your heir. And he brought him outside. This is what's so cool. And he said, Look toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he accounted to him for righteousness. That's what blows my mind. God tells Abraham, let's take a walk outside, son. Come on with me. He says, look at the stars. Lord, those are amazing. Those are beautiful. He says, can you count them? Lord, I can't count the stars. That's what your descendants are going to be like. Here's what blows my mind. God just gave Abram an awesome promise. Awesome promise. And Abraham believed. Abraham believed. And I thought, what about our lives? How many times does God speak to us in an amazing way? And he offers us promises through his word, and we don't believe. God, I need a sign. Please show me, Lord, if you really mean this, this is, oh, come on, I don't know. And then we doubt God in the midst of our fiery trial. Oh, I can't believe this. No, God promised. He's going to walk with you. He's going to love you. He's going to be your God. He's going to walk with you through the very beginning of your life, all the way to the end of your life. And he's going to welcome you home with open arms. But there are times when we, we don't believe that. We struggle in our faith. Abraham says he believed. How many of you would want that belief like Abraham? How many of you go, I want that belief, man. I want to know the promises of God are for me. You're going, yeah, yeah. And so that was the promise. It's all good right now. But then chapter 16 happens, right? It says, chapter 16, verse 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar, or Haggad. So Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. What a beautiful mess they're about to get into. Pastor, wait a minute. What do you mean beautiful mess? Well, do you remember what we talked about, what this means? It simply means no matter where or how I end up, God is still with me. You understand that? He's never left me. He loves me. He has a plan for my life. And even though, help me church, I have royally messed up. My God is always with me. Now, I don't plan to get up and mess up. I don't plan to go a wrong way. I don't plan to take a wrong turn. But there are times when I make bad choices and I end up in a mess. But I have always known that God has always been with me. He's always been there. He's never left me. And that's kind of what's going on with, with Abram right here. It, the beautiful part, guys, in this whole mess is that God is never going to leave them even in the midst of a huge blunder. Everybody got that? Why is that important? Because the moment you mess up, the devil, the enemy comes and he starts saying, you're not, God's not with you. You're a loser. You don't even, you're not even saved. How could you do this? If you were a real Christian, you wouldn't even think this. And that's the devil. He's lying to you. God never says that. He goes, I know. My kids, oy vey, you know, they mess up. Oh, bad choices. No, but I'm never going to leave them. I'm never going to leave them. Guys, he looks and he says, that's my kid. That's my kid. That's my kid. Yeah, but he fell down and scraped his knees. That's okay. That's my kid. Here's my thought, right? Here's my thought. Is, is, Is your little one walking yet? He's going to, right? How old? He's 10 months. He's about to go. He's going to start walking here in the next few months. Okay? So I know Ryan and Ellie, right? So the, his little one is going to start walking pretty soon. And then he's going to fall. And then mom and dad is going to say, hey, 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 don't run. You're going to scrape your knees. He's going to look at him. He's going to say, watch, I can take you, mom and dad. He's going to run, and he's going to scrape his knees. At that point, Ryan and Ellie are going to say, that's it. You're never walking again. You didn't listen to me. I told you. They're not going to do that, are they? You're going to pick him up and say, I told you, I told you, it's okay. And he's going to cry and mom and dad are going to pick him up and they're going, that's what God does for us. And so though Abraham messes up and he, and he scrapes his knee, although God told him, I've got you. Guys, think about it. Well, as the story goes, right? Guess what happens? Hagar gets pregnant with a little boy. Sarai is crushed. Guys, I want you for a moment to put yourself in Sarai's sandals. You go, what do you mean? I just think about her, and I wonder if she was hoping that through all of her married life, that Abram might have been the problem. Oh, not in a mean way, like, well, he must be the problem. Boy, you know, I'm just thinking that that's how we think as humans, that, well, he must be the problem. Sarai is about 76, 77 years old. That's a long time for someone not to have kids. I mean, I want you to go back. Think about it for a second. Think about it, okay? There she is in her early 20s. Oh, the world is great, and we're going to have a baby, and I just can't wait, and, and we're not pregnant, and we're not pregnant. That's okay. I'm still young, and we're not pregnant. And then we go to what? Then we go to 30s. Okay, well, I still got time. I still got time. Then I'm in my 40s, and I'm in my 50s. One thing's not right. They didn't have medical doctors. At that point, you and I would be a medical. Doctor, What's going on? I can't. Okay. And then 60s and now 70s. And she's like. Shh. And I think in her heart is broken. She's crushed. And I bet she resolved in her heart early on that she would never be a mom. And she would never be a grandma. And she'd never watch little ones. She'd never hear the pitter patter and, and the laugh in the room that you hear. Maybe in the deep recesses of her mind she thought, it's not me, it's Abram. He can't have kids. He's the one with the problem. Well, we see in the pages of scripture that Hagar she got pregnant right away. That must have hurt. That must have hurt. And verse 4, guys, gives us some insight into Sarai. Look at 16, verse 4 says, So he went into Haggad, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Hagar now begins to treat Sarah disrespectfully. She looked down on her. So Hagar comes, and she's like, I'm pregnant. What do you think about that? Must be you, Girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she's treating her mistress disrespectfully, right? And of course, here's the thing. Sarai's heart is crushed, right? Crushed. And then in verse five, it says, then Sarai said to Abram, this is your fault. I put my servant in your arms, but now she's pregnant and she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Did you guys catch that? This is so key. I guess you could say that Sarai is not having a good time right now. But what does she do? She turns and she blames Abram. Oh, how quickly we forget our part in certain matters. You go, Pastor, what's the lesson? Can we talk about a lesson? You all ready? Guys, when it comes to our mistakes, when it comes to sin, when it comes to shortcomings, when it comes to attitudes, and I know none of you have attitudes, guys, take responsibility for it. We are so good at going, no, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's my boss's fault. No, it's my husband's fault. No, it's it's this, it's this, it's this. When it, when it has something to do with you guys, take responsibility. Do you see? Don't blame others. That's all, That's what we want to do. That's That's been the, the problem since the beginning of time. Lord, it's the woman you gave me. Two minutes ago, he's singing, wow, she's a babe, you know? I want to marry you. And then next thing, he's like, man... That woman you gave me. And then he asked her and he says, well, it's we're blame shifting the whole time. But the lesson we can learn here, guys, is so key. Take a good hard look at your part and own it. Own it. Jesus kind of taught us the same principle in Matthew's gospel, chapter 5. You know the story. In Matthew, chapter 5, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says, don't judge others and you will not be judged. That's one that the world uses to us right away. Right? Judge not, lest you be judged. Don't judge me. But that's not what it means at all. But for the sake of our study, I can't go into it. But he says, you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard which you will be judged. Verse 3. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you say to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Verse 5, hypocrite, Jesus says. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. What, a, what an amazing principle. What an amazing principle. He says, guys, listen, look at your life first. Take responsibility. Find out what's going on in your heart before you go, hey, you got a speck in your ideal. Come here. Right? Was I hit everybody with the log in mine? And he calls him a hypocrite. A hypocrite. A hypocrite is somebody who says one thing that does completely the opposite. But the principle is this you ready? Here's what you can take home. Jot this down if you're taking notes. Take responsibility for your actions. What is your part in the fight? What is your part in the responsibility? Confess that in humility. I am sorry, right? Let me give you a different take, okay? Here's how I thought. Let me give you a a different take on Sarai and Abraham. Then Sarai said to Abram, please forgive me. I let my emotions get the best of me. I've made a mess of things. I should have never tried to help the Almighty out. Abram, let's inquire of the Lord to see what we should do next. Do you see the difference? Oh, we can take that home, can't we? Oh, we can take that home. Don't don't walk in your emotions, guys. Walk in the spirit. Cuz the first thing we do is we want to blame. We'll see if it wasn't for you or if you would have did or you failed to do this instead of going, "Oh, oh wait, I was a part of that. I'm sorry." The hardest words that we ever have to say to each other and we don't say them very often is "I'm sorry." Please forgive me. Please forgive me for my part. I should have. We should have never even entertained Hagar in this. I'm sorry for not trusting the Lord. I'm sorry for not trusting the Lord. What great application! But remember, Abram's not off the hook, is he? Abram is acting. He's not acting like the spiritual leader of the house, right? Because what's happened is when we talk about about Sarai, everybody, all the men go, "Yeah, see." If she'd have just done what I told her, we wouldn't be in this mess. Or maybe you go back to the Bible and you say, yeah, I see the woman is deceived first. See, they just, they just don't have that spiritual discernment I have. I just know. But, but Abraham's not off the hook. Why? Because he's not acting like the spiritual leader that God had called him to. He's not acting like that. He's not, he, 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 what, 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 what should have Abraham said? He should have said, no, sweetie. That, that's not what God said. God told me, he told me that that my descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky. Let's just trust him. Let's trust him. I know you're anxious and I know you're frustrated, but let's just trust God. Help me out here, church. Is it when we don't see the hand of God moving is when we get frustrated and we make our own bad choices? I just don't see God in this. I, I just, I don't know. Is he out there? Will he do something? I don't know. So what do we do? We step into it. We step into it. Lord, Lord, I need a husband. I need a husband. I need a wife. Lord, I need a wife. I need a husband. Where is he, Lord? Where is he? Where is he? And then what happens is we get frustrated because he hasn't, he hasn't really answered. And the promises are still there. And then we make bad choices. It could be with a boyfriend. It could be with uh, purchasing a house. It could be, oh, whatever it might be that God, oh, just wait on the Lord and he'll answer you. He'll answer you. So Abraham's not, he's not, he's not acting like the spiritual leader. Look at verse six. He says, so, so Abraham said to Sarai, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do as her as you please. And Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled from her presence. So he's just going, well, whatever you want to do, baby. I'm out of this. No, Abraham, you were in it. See, Abraham did the same thing that Sarai, Sarai did. He's not taking responsibility. He's just trying to—he's just trying to keep both women happy. Well, God in our story, God shows up and Ishmael's born. And here's the thing, Ishmael's born, but it's not the perfect will of God. God. You could say this is actually the permissive will of God. Because now Ishmael's born. Now, note with me where we left off last week. Look at verse 15. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And he was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. How old was he, guys? 86. That's old. That's old. So now we come to chapter 17. Keep this in mind. 13 years have passed. 13 years. Did you realize that from last week to this week, 13 years have gone by, right? That's what happened. It's kind of like Adam had a beard last week, didn't have one this I mean, or vice versa, you know, I mean, 13 years have gone by, So if you're taking notes tonight, guys, I'm calling this message, the seven I wills of God. Now, if you count them, there's actually 12, which I think is cool because you got 12 and seven, but the seven pertain to what we call the Abrahamic covenant. Tonight, we'll look at the seven and I kind of want to close with the seven that apply to our lives, okay? So jot this down if you're taking notes. It's very interesting. I put when God is silent, when God is silent. Look at verse one. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Now, I want to make a quick point here. Listen to me. There will be times when God is silent in your life. You have been praying, you've been crying out to God, right? You're frustrated, Because you feel like God isn't listening or he's not answering you. Think about this. 13 years was silent. Abraham heard from God. Abraham walked with God. Abraham was a friend of God. And for 13 years, I don't hear, God, where are you? Where are you? And I'm thinking, wow. Oh, how I wish between chapter sixteen and seventeen there was something. Give me a nugget of something. But I started thinking about this. God, why? What, what is the present? Because let's be honest: is there times in your prayer life when you feel like God isn't answering you, like He's silent? God, please, there—that that happens to us as believers. And I want to know why. What's the purpose of God being silent? And one of the things I found out, perhaps most of all, listen to me: God's silence is creating a hunger. For obedience to him. I thought the reason God is silenced is because he wants us to be even... We need to develop that hunger in even more obedience. Why? Because in the context, Abraham was not obedient to God. He wasn't. He was disobedient and said, God, this is what you're going to do. And so I'm thinking maybe the silence in that. I also think that God's silence, guys, can create a hunger for his presence, not just the things we can get from him. What do you mean? Ever go out to eat and you're really, really full? It's like, man, I'm not eating again. What do you have need of? If you're really, really full and you've overeaten, what happens if somebody says, hey, want to go eat? You're like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't want, right? I'm never going to eat again, man. Whoo! That was so. That was a lot. That was huge for some people. But that's kind of how it is, right? If 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 we're just, we need to have the hunger for His presence, not just the things we can get for Him. So you go, Pastor. Well, how do I hear God? How do I hear God? Well, can I challenge you tonight, guys? We hear Him in creation. We hear Him in creation. The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Go outside tonight. When you see the stars, you know that he's speaking to you. Just look at creation. Take a moment. Here's what the devil, listen, if I was your enemy, here's what I want to do. I'd want to get you so busy that you never see a sunrise or a sunset. I'm going to get you busy. Come on, go, 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 go. You don't have time. Come on, move, next, next, next. And we have to stop and just go, wow. When was the last time you looked at a cloud? Besides last night when we we're all looking up, <laughs> Because the storms are coming. But I'm just talking a cloud, right? We, we're so busy, we don't just go, wow, what great clouds you make, Lord. Have you ever noticed the trees? Have you ever noticed trees? They're praising the Lord. They're always up like this. Brother Joe, you know you got, you you, you have your whole backyard. It's, that's, wow. So we see God, he speaks to us in creation. You go, how else, Pastor? In preaching. In the preaching of the word of God. Listen, when I say, if you're taking notes, you need to take notes. Right? Because you want to actually go back and say, here's the thing, guys. There's a lot of us who only remember only 10% of what is being preached at. Only 10%. So you have to take a note and go, oh, this is what he was talking about. Okay, mark up your Bible. It should be crazy marked up. When you go back, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this. That was a great point. That was a great point. Boy, I needed this. You see, because God's going to give you today for what you need tomorrow. He's going to give you it today. He's going to speak to you. And you go, I might not need it. I'm I'm good. Everything's good. two weeks from now, when you're in a crisis, oh, I needed that. I needed that. Take notes. Hear what God has to say to you. And then last but not least, guys, he speak to us through his word, his word. Study his word. Learn from sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's just really simple. It's really simple. We all read the Bible, don't we? Can I get an amen? You read the Bible? How many of you let the Bible read you? What? Let the Bible read you and put yourself in the story and say, Lord, ask the questions. Am I doing that? Am I like that? Man, you should see my Bible. Sometimes it's like he's talking to Israel and I'll put Ben because I know I'm doing that. And and Israel saw after other gods, oh, that's me. Lord, what am I doing? What, what idols are in my life? And let the Bible read you because that's how you hear God speak to you. Well, look what he says in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Everybody see that? The actual term is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, El Shaddai. That's God, right? Now, number two, we had silence, right? We had silence for a moment uh, when God is silent, but here's what I want you to write down. Number two, straight. this is straight talk from God, right? Straight talk from God. What does he say? He says, "Abram, you need to walk before me. Right, Abram, walk before me and be blameless. That's the first thing God says. What does that mean to be to walk before him means be upright and sincere. Can I get an amen? Isn't that how we should be in our lives upright and sincere? And he says, Abram, be blameless. The Hebrew word here may be literally without defect, without defect, and that isn't that what he's saying? He's saying this is straight talk, but look at verse two. He says, I will make my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. Right? Think about this. Think about this. A true sign of worship is us falling on our face before the living God. Abraham just... He falls down in in, in worship, and worship. Guys, think about what you're going to be doing in heaven. I guarantee you, you're not going to go to worship service in heaven and do this. This is the living God who saved us. And Abraham falls down. He falls down. Now, here's the word of the Lord, verse 4. As for me... Behold, my covenant is with you. You shall no longer be you shall be the father of many nations. no longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations now here's here's what he's saying. God changes his name. Do you guys see that? I kind of put this here. This was the artist for, formerly known as Abram. Anybody get that reference? This was the artist formerly known as Abram. he's now abraham. he's Abraham, okay? you guys remember. Abram means exalted father. He had no kids. Now Abram says, now, now God says, now you're going to be Abraham, which means the father of many nations. The father of many nations. How many of you, how many of you can feel Abraham right now? You kind of feel him, right? You, you're like, I'm feeling him. Here's the thing God is already in the past tense saying that he's going to be the father of many nations and he doesn't have any kid. He has one kid, he has Ishmael. And I just started thinking like Abraham. I just started thinking, sometimes God is speaking over our lives and it's still about to come. It's about to happen. But we look at numbers. I'm 99 years old. This is crazy. This is crazy. And so what God says is, here's the covenant. You ready? Look at verse eight. This is the seven wills from God. Verse six. I will make you exceedingly fruitful I will make nations of you. The king shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Verse eight, I also... Also, I give to you and your descendants after the land which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, I will be their God. You ready? What's the first one? He says, man, I'm going to make you exceedingly fruitful. That's the first I will. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. What's that mean? That means lots of kids, lots of offsprings are going to come from him. He says, I will make nations of you. That's number two. He says, not just from Ishmael, because we're going to see that Ishmael's actually going to have 12 princes come from him, right? Even now, Ishmael's descendants are the Arabs all over the world. But he says, Isaac too. And not only that, but he's going to have spiritual children. who's, Who's Abraham's spiritual children? You guys. You're his kids. So when he said, look at the stars, this is all of us. So next time you sing Father Abraham, you know exactly what you're singing, right? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had father. Anybody remember that? I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the... Look at that. Look at Olivia go, whoosh. You want to join Sunday school, cheap plug for Sunday school, right there, boom. Anyways, that's one thing. So that's what it is. Number three, I will make kings come from you. The godly line of David is going to come from, from Abraham and so forth, the kings. Number four, I will establish a covenant with Abraham. This is known as the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant, you've got to understand, is unilateral. It's a unilateral covenant, guys, that God made with Abraham. It means it's an agreement between two parties in which only one of the parties has responsibility. If you remember the covenant, Abraham was asleep. God walked through. He said, I'm going make a covenant. I know you're not going to keep it, but I know I'll take responsibility For the covenant. It's a beautiful covenant, right? It's amazing. He says, I'm going to establish a covenant with you. Number five, I will establish a covenant with your descendants. Number six, he says, I will give you this land. Do you guys see that? Notice what he says. I give to you your descendants after you, the land which is a stranger. He says, I'm going to give you this land. Here it is. is an everlasting possession. Everlasting possession. Do you guys see that? You go, why is that important? Because if we were to fast forward to 2019, this is a type of heaven. This is a type of heaven for us. Hebrews 11:16 says, But now they desire a better, that is he- a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We look forward, guys, to what? To inherit the land. Guys, he's going to give us the land. And then I love number seven, I will of God says, I will be their God. I am their God forever. Forever. Well, it goes on in verse 9, guys. For the sake of time, we need to keep moving. Verse 9 says, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout the generations. Right? So what's the key here? If you're taking note, you can just put obedience. This is key. Abraham, you just got to keep this. You got to keep my covenant. What's Abraham's responsibility in the covenant? Nothing. Nothing. It's only, it's a unilateral. God took care of it, but he wants us to be obedient to his name. Verse 10, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Okay, let's talk circumcision. Dun, dun, dun. No, pastor, don't do it. No, the word of the Lord says, this will be a sign of the covenant. Everybody see that? Look at your Bibles, guys. Look at verse, um, look at verse, verse eleven. And 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 you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign. Everybody see it? Everybody see sign? Why is that important? Because again, here's what he's saying. The word of the Lord says that the circumcision of the foreskin is a sign. But here's what I want you to see, and I want you to jot this down. So important, you take this and put this somewhere in your Bible. It's a sign. Not a rite of passage to salvation. Did you see what God said? God didn't say, hey, you're going to be circumcised, and you're in immediately. You're in, okay? Because you're a Hebrew. He says, no, it's a sign of circumcision, and all it means is that you're going to be part of Israel. You are Israel, but it's not a rite of passage to salvation. And that's so key because there's so many people today that are putting their faith and trust in religion to get them to heaven. And my religion will get me to heaven, trust me. There are so many people that are on a, on a path to hell because they're putting their faith and trust in a man-made religion. And you know, you and I don't believe in religion, do we? We believe in a relationship with the living God. Amen. That's the only way. That's the only, Oh, we call it Christianity, and people say, well, that's your religion. But really, religion stinks, doesn't it? Religion really stings because it's all about works. It's all about men trying to reach up to God and try to, just, and try to appease this God who wants to send us to hell. That's religion. But a relationship is the God who loves us reaching down and says, and says Listen, I know you scraped, scraped your knee. I know you're messed up. I know you're going to fall, but keep on walking. Keep going because I've got a big plan for you. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing, guys. So a sign is not a rite of passage. This was simply a sign for all those in the land who were a member of Israel. Okay, it was a sign. I got a pop quiz. Okay, are you good at pop quizzes? Do you remember the sign God gave to Noah? You, there you go. Rainbow was the sign. So very good. Verse 12. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations who is born in the house Or or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendants. He who is born in your house is he who brought, who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in the flesh for an everlasting covenant. And it shall be uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Verse 12, 10 through 14 is amazing. It's amazing. Why? Because, guys, in about uh, 20, 30 chapters later, we see, guys, that Moses blows it big time, right? It's in Exodus chapter 4 and 24. It says, and it came to pass on the way to the encampment, the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him. Do you guys remember that? Nobody nobody preaches that, right? Everybody's like, Moses! And they're like, no, the Lord is going to kill him. Why? It says, then Sephora took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet. Ooh. Ew. ew, right? Nathalie has thrown a lot of things at me in my life, but never anything that gross. Mainly it's like, here, smell this, right? So funny. And she says this, surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. God let him go and said, you are Then she said, you are a husband of blood because of circumcision. Here's the point, guys. Moses apparently put off circumcising his son in violation of God's command. Zipporah comes and saves his life. This is crazy disobedience. Crazy disobedience. Now, here's my thought. Have you ever wondered why eight days? Why did God say eight days, right? Because basically, there's a couple of things. There's the vitamin K, right? But it's also immune system is at its peak on the eighth day. And so what happens is that, you know, basically that's the best time to do it. Also, I found that the baby's blood won't be able to clot until after the eighth day. So what happens is that if you circumcise them before that, they could actually bleed out and bleed to death. Now, in modern medicine like today, they get circumcised right away. But the eighth day is actually God, and it's, and, and here's the point. Why do you bring that up, Pastor? Because I just want to say, God knows what He's doing. He just He knows what He's doing, and I know that we think we know. <laughs> I think we know that we know more, but God's like, no, just if you'll do it my way, that's that's the perfect time. The vitamin K is so nowadays we just we just inject kids with vitamin K right as soon as they're born. But God knows, God knows. Verse fifteen. Then God said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, listen, you shall not call her Sarai, for Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and give her a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Don't you just love that, right? Warren Wearsby points out that uh, she goes from Sarai. How many of you remember last week what that name means? It means contentious. Right? You can see it. It's your fault. We've been married for 300 years, right? I'm 90 years. We've been married a long time and it's still your fault. But she goes from contentious to, well, now she's going to be called Sarah, which means princess. She's going to be a princess. Also, note the promise in verse 16. He says, Listen, Sarah, I've got a promise for you. I'm going to bless her, I'm going to give her a son and make. Her, the mother of nations, kings of people shall come from her. Now, this is a big deal, guys. This is huge. This is huge, right? What would you do? Well, Abraham fell on his face and he laughed and he said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy, right? This is. I mean, I, think about it. What is the craziest thing the Lord ever told you to do? Jump on a plane and go to Israel, right? I mean, crazy. But 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 think about this. You're a hundred years old. Your wife is 90. She's gonna have a kid. Uh uh-uh. uh. Seriously, Lord, this is crazy. This is nuts. But here's what I was thinking. I totally love the fact that God is into crazy. Don't you? What do you mean? I think crazy. I think saving young kids. Why? Why? Why are we saving the young kids? This is crazy, Lord. Said, oh, you don't understand. Revival's coming. Revival's coming. I like what Ryan Reese said. He's the son of, uh, of Pastor Raul Reese, but he said, listen, I'm tired of reading about revival. I want to see it. We have books on revival and, and man, you know, the great American, the awakening, you know, but, but don't you want to see it? Don't you want to see it? Oh, Lord, my heart is not ready to see it. Please make my heart ready to see revival. What about this? What about, guys, what about saving our kids? What about calling the most unlikely into the ministry? That's the crazy thing. I mean, think about it. I just think of Jesus. Look who he called. He called the crazies. Peter. I mean, who wants to hang out with Peter all day? John's always hanging on his chest. He's like, I can't talk to Jesus. John is always on his chest. I mean, these guys are, I mean, right? You got Simon the Zealot. I mean, think about it. But then he does that to you and I. Like, listen, he called you. (laughs) He saved you. The most unlikely people to be saved. He goes, ah, you know what? I love Beverly. I'm going to save Beverly because she's crazy. And I love crazy. I love crazy. That's what he's into, right? Think about this. Think about God saving and working in the lives of a bunch of strangers, right? I think we're strangies. I think we're misfits, causing 90-year-old women to have kids. That's crazy. I love that God is into crazy. Listen to this. Listen. If you and I will submit to God in obedience, there's nothing he can't do in us and through us. Let that sink in, guys. Verse eighteen, and Abram said to God, "Oh, this is key—that Ishmael might live before you." I want to make a quick note, okay? God just said, "Listen, did, did you not hear what God said?" God says it's going to be come from your body. There's Arab, blah, 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 blah. and he's like, "Ishmael's the guy, dude." Here's what it—why it, does God put that in there? Because it's just like us. Why? Listen. Abraham is wanting to settle for less than all God had for him. How many of us often settle for less than what God has for us? That's a big danger in our lives. That's a big danger in our lives to settle for for less. God says, I'm going to give you an Isaac. And we go, hey, I'm happy with Ishmael. I'm happy with Ishmael. Then God said, "No, Abraham, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son." Isn't that like one of those like, you know? It's like he's not listening. He finally gets it. He says, "And I will listen. You're going to call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants over him. And as for Ishmael." I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and I will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princesses, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. I could say, and again, I want to be careful because, remember, if I take a verse out of context, I can make it a pretext and I can make it say anything I want to say. So I don't want to take it out of context, but I could actually lean towards Romans 8.28 when it comes to God still caring for Ishmael and making him a great nation. All things work. God knows. He says, listen, you made a blunder. You messed up. You, you totally blew it, but I'm still going to take care of you. And there's going to be a great nation from you, Ishmael. And those are still God's chosen people. Those are God's people as well. You've got, you've got the covenant with Isaac, but you still, if Ishmael. Here's the point. God's, in, God's into people. He loves people. No matter what race, color, creed, socioeconomic, he loves people. And I want to be on God's team. So let's close, guys. Let's close our Bible study. I want to get some application for us, okay? We saw the seven I wills. The seven I wills for the covenant of, of the Abrahamic covenant. But what about us? What about us? I'm going to go through these real quick. As the worship team comes up, they'll be ready to give us one last song. But the first thing we see is salvation. Salvation, right? God promised to save you and me from under the burden of Satan, the dark kingdom. The second I will is deliverance, guys. He says, I will deliver you from their bondage. That's the one thing that we need to hold on to. The third is Jesus on the cross. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Number four, adoption. He says, I will make, I will make you a people. F- I will make to you a people for a people. Number five, revelation. I will be to you a God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Number six, direction. I will bring you into land which I swear to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And number seven, inheritance. I will give to you a heritage. So as we close tonight, guys, those are seven. We see the seven just just prophetically for us. Salvation. He saves us. Deliverance. Jesus on the cross. We are adopted into his family. He's going to be our God through revelation. He's going to direct us. And then we get to be with him forever. Forever, and so tonight, tonight, let's go back. What were some of the things that God spoke to you? Was it was it, hey, you know what? I need to take responsibility for for my actions at time, or maybe God was speaking to you to trust His promise. Or maybe you're just feeling like you're lost and out of place and God's going, hey, listen, listen, I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for you. Or maybe God's calling you to do something extraordinary. And you haven't had the courage to step out and say, yeah, that's what God is calling me to do. I'm in, I'm in or maybe you're just here tonight and you're just lost. And maybe you're here tonight and you said, man, I haven't heard God's voice in like a million years. But to be honest with you, Pastor Ben, I'm not in a right relationship with God. To be honest with you, Ben, there's, there's a lot of idols in my life. There are things in my life that I've put in before God. And I know, I know they're wrong. <coughs> and maybe tonight, maybe tonight is your night where you say yes to Jesus. Listen, he's not wanting to He's just got got an amazing plan if you'll just submit to his plan. So as we worship, as we worship tonight, would you just ask the Spirit, God, where am I with you? How am I with you? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. Thank you, God, that you spoke to us, that you love us, We thank you for Wednesday night, God, verse by verse, God, through your word and how you're teaching us and how you want us to grow. Father, before we sing this last worship song to you, one of the most important things that I ever did was surrender my life to you. And I never want to leave a meeting, God, I never want to leave a worship service without a beautiful invitation. And I know right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you're inviting people to join the family of God. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if there's anyone here that says, Pastor, will you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. And what I would ask you to do right now with nobody looking around is simply lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I think I'm ready to surrender completely to God. And that's just his invitation to you, his invitation for you to come home, to start a brand new relationship with him. If that's you right now when you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, just pray for me. I want Jesus today. I want to be saved. Thank you, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for tonight. Let's worship you.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Josh.